We've had a, an unusual uh, storm. I had my driveway all cleared this morning. There was no snow on it after I shoveled it. And that was no easy task because there was ice on the bottom. Got that all clear. Now there's about that much snow back on it. So in the morning, I'll get to clear that off. We're in the book of Isaiah. If you've got a Bible, turn to there, the 24th chapter. 24 chapters we have studied, or 23 thus far. Tonight will be 24. And I've been meditating upon tonight's uh, lesson and just, uh, just looking back at what we've learned and studied. And it's been quite a journey in the book of Isaiah. We have seen a tremendous amount of prophesied judgment in Isaiah. And tonight, the entire chapter is going to be a look toward the tribulation. And uh, as I was studying it, I had a little hard time not getting uh, depressed over it, <laughs> down over it, because it's a downer of a chapter overall. And, uh, and, and looking for something encouraging. And then I remembered <coughs> what we're seeing in these the burdens that we studied earlier on, and now this, this look toward the tribulation. Why would God show the people of Israel ahead of time what was going to happen? Why did he tell him in these burdens, this is going to happen here, and this is going to happen to this country, and this is going to happen to Jerusalem, and to Judea, and, and, and to Judah, and to, and to Israel? These things are going to happen. At least to his own people, I think, it was because out of his merciful heart, he was giving them one more chance. One more chance. This is what's going to happen. You need to get your heart right. If you don't change, this is what's going to happen. And, of course, they did not get their hearts right. And just like he prophesied, all those things came to be. But because of his enormously merciful heart, God gave them opportunity after opportunity until the very last when he had to bring the judgment, which... Judgment will fall during the tribulation, which we're going to look at now. Isaiah 24, 1, I'll read, then we'll pray and get into the lesson. Behold, the Lord maketh the earth empty, and maketh it waste, and turneth it upside down, and scattereth abroad the inhabitants thereof. Perhaps you can see why I got depressed. <laughs> Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your love, and thank you for the safety for the folks that came out tonight. And I pray that you might give us safety on a return trip. Lord, would you make it worth their time being here? I pray, Lord, for those who are watching online. Would you comfort them? I pray, Lord, that you might use tonight's lesson to, to be a challenge. Lord, not only that we might learn your word more, what's going to happen during the tribulation, but, Lord, that we might have a better understanding of who you are, I thank you for your mercy. I thank you, Lord, that your mercy endureth forever. And I also thank you, Lord, that you understand human nature. And Lord, you understand us when we fail you. And yet, out of your mercy, you don't give up on us. So would you tonight meet with us, and would you give us the lesson that you have for us? And we'll thank you for it. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. You're taking notes, Roman numeral one, severe judgment upon the earth during the tribulation. With a look to the judgment of the tribulation, God opens this chapter, chapter 24, describing his wrath upon the earth itself. Whether this refers to the actual earth or is possibly a metaphor 
of the horrors that will be unleashed during the time we're not told, but, but he uses this as a picture. He maketh the earth empty, maketh the earth waste, and turneth the earth upside down, scattereth abroad the inhabitants of the earth. Letter A. All will be equally subjected to the judgment. And verse 2, and it shall be as with the people, so with the priest. As with the servant, so with his master. As with the maid, so with her mistress. As with the buyer, so with the seller. As with the lender, so with the borrower. As with the taker of usury, so with the giver of usury to him. The fierce application of God's wrath will be executed against everyone during that time. Money, status, position will make no difference. Hosea 4.9 reads, And there shall be like people, like priests, and I will punish them for their ways and reward them for their doings. Today, it's not like that. Money has a way of, of getting people by with things. Money has a way of allowing people to buy their way out of difficulties. But God is saying at this time, and by the way, that's not new in every generation that's been the case. But when the tribulation hits, they won't be able to buy themselves out of the difficulties, out of the judgment. Letter B, the promised land will be wasted, verse 3. The land shall be utterly emptied and utterly spoiled, for the Lord hath spoken his word. Likely referring to the land of Israel, the day of the Lord will bring desolation upon the promised land. From armies trampling down all the fields and burning all the cities, the land will be utterly destroyed. And you know, at the, during the tribulation, at the, toward the end of the tribulation, all the armies of the world are going to head toward Jerusalem. The idea of obliterating it. And so all of the fields around, all the countryside will be decimated, completely destroyed, as all these armies trample it down. In Matthew 24, 6 and following, And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Letter C. Even the land will mourn over its desolation. In verse 4, the earth mourneth and fadeth away. The world languisheth and fadeth away. The haughty people of the earth do languish. Well, number one, the earth mourns its great loss. Represented with human feelings, the land groans over its great loss. As its wealth and natural resources are destroyed, as well as its business empire. Merchants weep and mourn over their great loss. Revelation 18.9, And the kings of the earth who have committed fornication and lived deliciously with her shall bewail her and lament for her when they shall see the smoke of her burning. Number two, the elite will likewise suffer. The elite those of any stature, the leaders, the wealthy, the prominent, will be sickened by the conditions around them. They, too, will be swallowed up in despair. Isaiah 2.11 
The lofty looks of man shall be humbled, and the haughtiness of men shall be bowed down. And the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. Roman numeral 2, the people of God had disregarded the law and their covenant. Verse 5, the earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof, because they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant. And at the root, that's the whole problem. They broke the law. Specifically, in the area of idolatry, that was their main offense that God was so disturbed over. But they broke the law, and they continued to break that. And they, got, they were wicked. Letter A, Judah was guilty of idolatry. Among other defilements, the people of Judah were guilty of wicked idolatry, often sacrificing to false gods, spilling the blood of animals and even their own children as they offered their worship to these false gods. Psalm 106, verse 38, And shed innocent blood, even the blood of their sons and of their daughters, whom they sacrificed under the idols of Canaan. And the land was polluted with blood. Having just come from spending a wonderful time with my grandson, who daily we see pictures, this is a, an incredible age we live in. My kids can take pictures or FaceTime or they can uh, Marco Polo with my wife and she can see the pictures right away and movies of, of a grandson is thousands of miles away. And it's wonderful. But how can, how can a person who has such a wonderful child offer them as a sacrifice? To an idol. I don't understand. Now, is it I don't understand because the Holy Spirit's in me? I don't know. My mind can't go there. I don't understand. But it wasn't like just one person did it of the Israelites. Many, many of the mothers and fathers sacrificed their children to these false gods. I thrill every time I see Riley. Such an encouragement. If you ever leave, we're going to lose half our church. But you know, there's just, there's just absolutely no way you can conceive of such an atrocity. Well, the sickening taste that I have in my mouth over that has multiplied how many times in God? To the degree that we hate it and can't understand it, God despises it. A letter B, Judah ignored the ordinances of the law. So they break the law and they broke the ordinances. The people broke the laws that were clearly outlined for them in the law of Moses. They ignored the ordinances or those directives concerning how they were to live their lives the dietary laws, the feast days. They abandoned the covenant that God had made with them, telling them that He would be their God as long as they submitted to Him and stayed faithful to Him. In Ezekiel 44, 6 and 7, And thou shalt say to the rebellious, even to the house of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God, O ye house of Israel, let it suffice you of all your abominations. 
and that ye have brought into my sanctuary strangers, uncircumcised in heart, uncircumcised in flesh, to be in my sanctuary, to pollute it, even my house, when ye offer my bread, the fat and the blood, and they have broken my covenant because of all your abominations. I found it interesting that God's, God referred, first of all, to those who were uncircumcised in heart before he referred to the uncircumcised in flesh. Meaning he called out the ones who were not right in their hearts above those who were Jews by circumcision. Roman number three, the tribulation will leave the earth desolate. Verse six, therefore hath the curse devoured the earth, and they that dwell therein are desolate. Therefore the inhabitants of the earth are burned and few men left. The various judgments during the tribulation will devastate the earth and decimate the world's population. This is ultimately a look to Daniel's 70th week of God's wrath against his people. But it had foreshadowing along the way. For instance, following the invasion of Judah by Assyria, the land was left desolate and burned, and the people were taken captive to Assyria. In Joshua 23, 16, When ye have transgressed the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and have gone and served other gods, and bowed yourselves to them, then shall the anger of the Lord be kindled against you, and ye shall perish quickly from off the good land which he hath given unto you. Letter A. The vineyards will enjoy no harvest. Verse 7. The new wine mourneth. The vine languisheth, all the merry-hearted do sigh. Number one, heavy-hearted grape juice. The new or sweet wine is that which is freshly crushed from the grapes. Its state is free as pre-fermentation, so it is not turned to alcohol as yet. The new wine mourns because it is not being used to bring encouragement to those who drink it, as the population has been severely decreased. Number two, depressed socialites. <laughs> depressed socialites. What do socialites like to do? They like to party. Well, during this time, it's not a party time. The tribulation will not be a time of partying. The merry-hearted likely refers to those who had typically gathered for feasts at certain times where new wine flowed freely, but now there are no parties to attend. Joel 1, 10 through 12, the field is wasted. The land mourneth, for the corn is wasted, the new wine is dried up, the oil languisheth. Be ye ashamed, O ye husbandmen, howl, O ye vine dressers, for the wheat and for the barley, because the harvest of the field is perished. The vine is dried up, and the fig tree languisheth, the pomegranate tree, the palm also, and the apple tree, even all the trees of the field are withered, because joy is withered away from the sons of men. Letter B, entertainment will cease. Can you imagine what would happen to our society if the electricity were turned off for just one week? Can you begin to imagine? Now, now think what it would do to the average teenage and younger who are not used to working on the fields. They're not used to getting up early and, and milking the cows. They're not used to doing chores all day long. They're used to being on some form of technology. Can you imagine a week of that? 
Entertainment will cease. Verse 8, the mirth of Taberet ceaseth. The noise of them that rejoice endeth. The joy of the harp ceaseth. They shall not drink wine with a song. Strong drink shall be bitter to them that drink it. So entertainment, that which had become the driving motivation of God's people, would be no longer. They would have no heart to sing or make music. There'd be no parties. And those who turned to strong drink and drunkenness would find but disappointment. Jeremiah 7.34, Then will I cause to cease from the cities of Judah and from the streets of Jerusalem the voice of mirth, the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom, and the voice of the bride, for the land shall be desolate. Let her see, Jerusalem will be broken down. Verse 10, the city of confusion is broken down. Every house is shut up that no man may come in. And when I read this, I thought this was talking about Washington, D.C., but I don't think so. Number one, a city in desolation. The word translated confusion can also mean desolation. This very likely refers to Jerusalem, the epicenter of God's tribulation wrath. Number two, fear in each home. Every house is shut up. And this could either mean that fear has caused each home to be tightly locked up, or more likely, because of the mass destruction in the city, entrances to the homes could be obstructed by the ruins, making it virtually impossible to enter. In Micah 3.12, Therefore shall Zion for your sake be plowed as a field, and Jerusalem shall become heaps, and the mountain of the house as high places of the forest. Letter D, despair will cause them to cry out for wine. Verse 11, there is a crying for wine in the streets. All joy is darkened. The mirth of the land is gone. Replacing the party-like atmosphere that had characterized the wickedness of the idol-worshiping people of Jerusalem, was now despair, depression, and despondency. The people cried out for drink to help them to mask their pain. Hosea 7 and 14, And they have not cried unto me with their heart when they howled upon their beds. They assembled themselves for corn and wine, and they rebel against me. He's saying they went when they were in trouble, when they were in, in sorrow. They went not to me. They didn't kneel down before me. They went to, for wine to try to mask their problems. Letter E, the city will be forcibly entered and destroyed. Verse 12, in the city is left desolation, and the gate is smitten with destruction, as in the day of the Assyrian invasion. The city of Jerusalem will be left completely destroyed. The gate, or likely gates, leading into the city will be rammed open. The word smitten means to beat upon or crush. Here, likely the meaning is to crash through with battering rams. Letter F, Jerusalem will be shaken violently. Verse 13, when thus it be in the midst of the land among the people, there shall be as the shaking of an olive tree, and as the gleaning grapes when the vintage is done. So as olive trees are shaken to remove their ripe fruit, and as the grape vines are stripped to harvest the remaining grapes, so Jerusalem will be shaken by the judgment of Almighty God. God uses both the olive trees and the grape vines often in His Word. 
Isaiah 17, 6, Yet gleaning grapes shall be left in it, as the shaking of an olive tree, two or three berries in the top of the uppermost bough, four or five in the outmost fruitful branches thereof, saith the Lord God of Israel. When we were in South Carolina, my, my son-in-law's parents, which live right on the street, have numbers of very old pecan trees. And what he does is he takes his tractor and he backs it up to a tree. He puts a chain around the trunk of the tree. And then he takes off into gear and rams so that, so that, that, that uh, 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 creates um, a straight chain and yanks on the tree. So it shakes the tree like that. Then he backs up and does it again. Then he does it again. So the whole time the tree is shaking like that. Why? Causing the pecans to fall down. That's a whole lot easier than climbing the tree to get all these pecans because they're 30 feet up the air. And so what I see in my mind is to get these olive trees down, which are not 30 feet high, but they have to shake it one way or another. And if the olive tree is, is, uh, is, is nimble enough to, for a man to do this, they would do that. Otherwise, they would form some way to shake that violently to get those uh, olives off that are left. Number four, joy will return as Jesus takes the reign. Now, as is the case with God, and only God would do this, but here we're right in the midst of this horrible turmoil. He's saying the tribulation is going to be so horrible. It's going to be desolation. Jerusalem is going to be beaten down. Everybody's going to be uh, taken away. It's going to be an awful, awful time. And after verse after verse after verse of, of elaborately describing how horrible it's going to be, he gives us verse number 14. They shall lift up their voice. They shall sing for the majesty of the Lord. They shall cry aloud from the sea. Joy will return as Jesus takes the reign. Here is a look to the fulfillment of God's wrath at the end of the tribulation as Jesus returns to set up his kingdom. This is a look to the very end of tribulation. Seven long years, tribulation. At the very end, the Lord Jesus returns to set up his millennial reign. At that time, there will be singing. Why? Because Jesus has returned. He's going to bring order. He's going to set up his kingdom. There will be singing at that time. The singing and joy that had been fulfilled or had filled the sinful streets in Jerusalem will return as the people will uniformly look to their king with great admiration and praise. From the far away places the people had fled, from the intense persecution during the tribulation, there will be great singing and praise to our Lord. Isaiah 42, 11 and 12. Let the wilderness and the cities thereof lift up their voice. Let the villages that Kedar doth inhabit it. Let the inhabitants of the rock sing. Let them shout from the top of the mountains. Let them give glory unto the Lord and declare his praise in the islands. Letter A. God challenged them to praise Him even in the fire. Verse 15. Wherefore glorify ye the Lord in the fires, even the name of the Lord God of Israel in the isles of the sea. So right here in the midst of the chapter, God takes a breath and have them go to the end of the tribulation and catch their breath and sing for joy. As they do, as they do that, he says, I want you to glorify the Lord in the fires, even the name of the Lord God of Israel in the isles of the sea. 
with the knowledge that the Lord would soon deliver them from the fires of the tribulation. This message is for those people who have not gotten to the singing part yet. They're still in the midst of tribulation. The trials are all still there, but they can see the end. With that knowledge, God challenges His people to glorify the Lord even in their distress. So as they praise God by faith, the Gentiles around them in the isles of the sea will take note and possibly be influenced for God. Habakkuk 3.17, Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat, the flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. <laughs> he says, though I see destruction on all sides, though I can't see anything positive, I choose to still rejoice in the Lord. 1 Peter 1.7, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Letter B. From glory, that's where we've been, right in the middle of the chapter, where there was this high note here of singing, and then after they caught their breath, now he says, now listen, in the midst of your trials now, you're still going through the trials, in the midst of this, give me glory. So from this mountaintop experience, he says, letter B, from glory to gloom, verse 16. From the uttermost part of the earth have we heard songs, even glory to the righteous. But I said, my leanness, my leanness, woe unto me. The treacherous dealers have dealt treacherously, yea, the treacherous dealers have dealt very treacherously. So, again, with an eye toward the deliverance prophesied of the Messiah. I believe these are the people who are living toward the end of the tribulation. Isaiah gloried as he heard songs of hopeful praise. However, as he looked around, he was reminded of the current condition of his people. He, along with everyone else, was in a time of suffering. They were being preyed upon by the ungodly, the treacherous dealers. Their cruelty was incessant, making the song of the faithful even more blessed. Isaiah 10, 16, Therefore shall the Lord, the Lord of hosts, send among his fat ones leanness, and under his glory he shall kindle a burning like the burning of a fire. Letter C, fear will be a paralyzing factor during the tribulation. Of course it will be. Fear. Verse 17, fear and the pit and the snare are upon the O inhabitant of the earth. The tribulation will be a culmination of all kinds of dangers, distresses, and difficulties, each of which eliciting great fear throughout the inhabitants of the earth. Here the reference to the pit may point to death and the pit of hell following. Luke 21, 25, and there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Verse 35, for as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Roman numeral 5. Judgments from heaven will shake the foundations of the earth. 
God has taken us now back, back to the difficulties of tribulation. Verse 18. And it shall come to pass that he who fleeth from the noise of the fear shall fall into the pit. He that cometh up out of the midst of the pit shall be taken in the snare. For the windows from on high are open, and the foundations of the earth do shake. Here's a graphic depiction of what turmoil will be for those of the tribulation. I can't imagine. Likely, as the armies of the world make their way toward Jerusalem, they will destroy most everything in their path, leaving no place to hide. The windows from on high probably refer to God's judgment falling from heaven, causing the foundations of the earth to shake. Luke 21, 25, And there shall be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars upon the earth, the stress of nations, with perplexity the sea and the waves roaring. Letter A, the earth will suffer from great earthquakes. Verse 19, the earth is utterly broken down. The earth is clean dissolved. The earth is moved exceedingly. The whole earth will suffer the consequences of the wrath of God during the tribulation. Likely in view here is the destruction from the violent earthquakes predicted. The topography of the earth's surface will even be affected due to these tremors. Revelation 16, 18, and there were voices and thunders and lightnings. There was a great earthquake, such as was not since men were upon the earth, so mighty an earthquake and so great. Letter B, God's plan for this earth is replacement. Verse 20, the earth shall reel to and fro like a drunkard and shall be removed like a cottage and the transgression thereof shall be heavy upon it and it shall fall and not rise again. Let's talk about the earth, the actual planet. The result of the barrage of judgments upon the earth will be catastrophic in multiple ways. Very likely, one of the times the earth is hit by a star from heaven. This is possibly a meteor. It'll be thrown off its axis with the earth's time and seasons altered. Man's sin had caused God's hand to be heavy upon it. After this, earth suffers all it can from the curse of man's sin. It will eventually fall and not rise again. God will destroy this planet and replace it with a new heaven and a new earth. The environmentalists are trying to protect this planet. They love Mother Earth. What they understand is they are destroying this planet. It will be destroyed so much that God will have to replace it with a new one. Revelation 8, 8 and following. And the second angel sounded, and as it were a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea, and the third part of the sea became blood. The third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died. The third part of the ships were destroyed. The third angel sounded, and there was a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp. And it fell upon the third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of waters. And the name of the star is called Wormwood. And the third part of the waters became Wormwood. And many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. And the fourth angel sounded, and the third part of the sun was smitten, and the third part of the moon, and the third part of the stars. So as the third part of them was darkened, and the day shone not for a third part of it, and the night likewise. Letter C. The powers that be will face their judgment. Verse 21, And it shall come to pass in that day, 
The Lord shall punish the host of the high ones that are on high and the kings of the earth, uh, kings of the earth upon the earth. In that day of judgment, those of rank and prestige that seem to always get by with things will face their punishment from the Lord. Those in high places and rulers will face God's wrath. Also, those beings in high places in the spiritual realm will be similarly judged. Satan will be bound and cast in the bottomless pit for a thousand years. Of course, we see this in Revelation 19, 18 and following. Letter D, Satan and his company will be imprisoned for a thousand years. Verse 22, and they shall be gathered together as prisoners are gathered in the pit and shall be shut up in the prison. And after many days, they shall be visited. Here is probably a look to the capture of Satan and his host, the fallen angels, who will be bound and gathered in the pit. They will remain in God's custody for a thousand years before being released toward the end of the tribulation, when they will have one last gasp before being condemned to hell forever. Revelation 20 and verse 1, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years shall be fulfilled, and after that he must be loosed a little season. Verse 7, And when the thousand years were expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison, and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. Who are these people? Who are these people that join in the ranks of Satan to fight against Jesus? These are the descendants of the saved who enter the millennium. By the end of the millennium, there will be a great host of unsaved people who are against Jesus. Letter E. The light of the Lord, the light of the Lord will shine over the new Jerusalem. Verse 23. Then the moon shall be confounded, and the sun ashamed, when the Lord of hosts shall reign in Mount Zion, and in Jerusalem, and before his ancients gloriously. As the Lord Jesus reigns on his throne in Jerusalem, his light will put to the shame that of the sun and the moon. There seems to suggest that the earth will be lit by the sun and the moon, while the new Jerusalem will find its light from the Lamb of God himself. Revelation 21, verse 23 and 24. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. And the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And that concludes our study. The understanding that God has given to us tonight in chapter 24, a glimpse of what the tribulation is going to be like. And he gave it as a prophecy ahead of time. And that's what blows my mind. He gave it to the very people who are going to be suffering the tribulation. I believe, as a last-ditch effort, to reach them, to say, I'm, I'm still merciful if you will simply turn your hearts to me. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your love, your blessing, for this study, and for your mercy.
Thank you for the book of Isaiah. And Lord, we would ask for you to continue to lead us and guide us and give to us what you would have for us that we might better be able to serve you. Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.